DJ and PK brought to you in part by Surga Networks, home to complete business telecom and IT solutions, backed by an industry-leading SLA that guarantees the uptime your business needs. It's effective communications for 21st century Utah. Get started now at surganetworks.net. Question of the morning. For the third time this year, the Pac-12 schedule is out. What's your prediction for our Utes now? Unless, of course, you're the random Sun Devil or Duck fan listening to this show. There's still our Utes. This is our community, our, not necessarily our exclusively our team, but it's our community. Everybody follows the Utes. There are Utes. So what do you expect, people? What's going to happen? Where's this going? It feels like the Pac-12 South is two divisions. Three teams that are respected. Three teams that people are just shaking their head thinking, all right, let me know when you wake up out of the slumber and get your act together. So for the top three teams, are they going to go 9-0 and against the bottom three? Because that, as far as prediction goes, that's, that solves half your prediction right there, if that's true. Pencil in USC at three and zero. You're you're the king of, hey, crazy things happen in this league. I know these three teams are good, and those three teams are bad, and yet you never know. Devils have a two game losing streak against Colorado, so I'm not sure what the crap you're talking about. <laughs> Colorado's <laughs> supposed to be a mess. The Devils are supposed to be good. This is where the streak ends. Good in terms of what being one or two games above 500. I mean, the, that that's what we classify as good now. I think there's. It's funny as Herm got ripped, and now he's getting more hype. And you want to average it all out. He shouldn't be getting well, this much hype. He shouldn't be getting ripped that much. Yeah, exactly. Because it's Look, not that hard to see him going three and three this year. They got like six, seven seniors on the team. You, you don't look at look at what Utah did. You win with seniors, and that's a large part of why they won last year. Devils don't have seniors. I don't think a coach, any coach who's hired, should be ripped because we just don't know. But when you're fifteen and eleven, let's not act like you've just set the world on fire here. <laughs> so, you know what I mean? That's that's okay. But it's not that great. I don't think that the Devil program should be getting near the run that the Ute program has gotten. And I realize for some bizarre reason the Utes have struggled traditionally against the Devils. But when you look at it, they have the most stable program in the South. There's just no doubt about it. You know, usually when an athletic director comes in and the coach, oh, man, this and that, and he, said, well, he didn't hire him. Well, Mark Harlan has come in and nobody has said a thing. It's not even even on anybody's tip of their tongue or recesses of their mind that Kyle Whittingham won't be the coach for as long as he wants to be the coach. Well, that's indicative of how solid the program is, right? There's no more evidence than that. You've got a new athletic director. I mean, they changed people around him in a manner, and some of it was, you know, kept uh, quiet, although others in the department, uh, they sure went ahead and said some stuff, (laughs) at least to me anyway, and probably to you. Yeah. But there, you know, what's going on? We've seen name guys leave the athletic department, and by guys, I should include uh, gender neutral there. And so, but yet, there's been nothing, and there's been nothing but praise towards the football coach. So, in my mind, Kyle Whittingham has absolutely earned the benefit of the doubt as far as what his program is going to be this year. If you're going to err, you err on the side of good with him 
not on the side of bad. And conversely, it's the exact opposite with Clay Hilton. If you're going to err, you're going to err on the side of bad, which is very interesting when you think about it. You know, which, they've got all yeah. this talent. Go ahead. Which game is USC going to screw up? Yeah. <laughs> Nobody, they'll, they'll, go, they'll go five and one, and it won't be about the five wins. It'll be which game did they screw up? Right. It, it's a very interesting perception of two guys. And Herm is a media darling. Obviously, he's got charisma just uh, forever. I, I, uh, you know, I would have loved to have known him as a youngster to see where did he get that and his philosophical nature and just the way he approaches life. You know, he's at the facility literally every morning at four thirty, right? Because they all did, uh, uh. Doc, not documentaries, but just they filmed it all about him lifting weights and getting that all that done before even the first person arrives. I was listening to Antonio Pierce the other day in a podcast. He says the goal of everybody in the program is to beat Coach Herm to the facility, and nobody does it. <laughs> and yet everybody, including the players, are there at 6 a.m. Because I told you they've gone to the morning routine with the online classes, get it done first, and then you have the rest of the day to take care of your academics. And everybody knows that uh, ASU is the Harvard of the desert, so it's very difficult. So you've got to devote you know, a couple hours a day to schoolwork. So he's gotten all this hype, but the results aren't there. We see Kyle, the results have been there. And Clay, the results, eh, it's not like he sucked. Uh, two years ago, they weren't that good, but he did get him to a Rose Bowl last year. They were decent. They weren't like they, they weren't a horrible team, but yet how we perceive these guys. And Chip Kelly, man, we perceived him to just hit the ground running and the tide is turns. We're going to have John Wooden on the football field here when he was hired. You know what I mean? And we haven't gotten anything close to that. So when you stack all that up, it seems ridiculous to pick the Utes to go undefeated. They sent too much talent to the NFL. They have too many things to figure out. They have Correct. too many guys to get up to speed. And yet, Correct. if USC is flawed, and if ASU is flawed, and if it looks like there's just, at the base level, a significant talent gap between them and the other four teams they play, well, what are we looking at? Well, that's interesting because I think everything is flawed, or everybody is flawed to one degree or another. And those teams at the top. The Devils have talent. There's no doubt about it. They've increased their talent level. That's, you cannot deny that, right? But that, they might not be ready to win big yet. They're not. I don't think. The, I think they're a year away from really being able to take over and really make a statement in the South. And when you see a, a quarterback who's underclassman, and when you see a roster short on seniors, all yeah. of that makes sense. Yeah, but they've got talent. And they're going to win ball games. I mean, this is not a hopeless Lou Holtz. We're playing the, the you know the eighty-five Bears here, or whoever he would play that you know he would build up. I'm not doing that. I'm just looking at it and trying to keep it in perspective. Uh, but when you look at Utah, the, I, I, you're right. I, I never, even it's with only six games in a regular season, I, I'm not going to pick anybody to go six and zero. I, I just I think picking anybody to go undefeated. Uh, is just outrageous, and especially this year. If you were going to do it last year with the Utes were loaded, there's no way I thought they'd go undefeated. 
Now, they did go out 8-1, and one, so they had a phenomenal regular season. There's no doubt about that. But, yeah, I think for, the, for, the, for me, if I look at this team, I think 5-1 and one is realistic, but I'd probably settle on just the reasons that you just listed mm-hmm. on more on the 4-2 and two mark. A lot has been made, and possibly it's too easy to overdo this, but Friday road games can be a problem for the best teams, right? USC, Clay Helton had, had that, uh, the 2017 team won the Pac-12. Not the South, they won the conference title game, they won the whole thing. And they lost a conference game on the road on a Friday night. And a lot has been made of those. And the fact that you've got two of those, you wonder if it primes them for an upset we're not looking at. You know, and, and especially this year, because how can you pick games this far out? You don't know when someone's going to have a positive test. We've even seen their examples. It could be a false positive. Like, well, they should do everything right. Well, you can do everything right and have a false positive and have to sit out a game. So That's why I'm not positive, because my positive would just be nothing more than a then, false positive. See? Nice. That just <laughs> now your negative would never be a false negative. No, that's a true negative. That's a man. true negative. <laughs> Why do you say that? It just cause hang hang out with it for twenty minutes. <laughs> yeah, all those things are all factors in. But but at the same time, if if say Bentley wins the starting job, and you seem to, and I can't argue with you that he's not going to win it. Yeah. I don't know that he's going to win it, but if you say, I think he's going to win it, and here's my reasoning, I can't say, well, that's ridiculous. I, I, so, I, there's just all yeah. sorts of logic to it. And he does have the 33 starts. Uh, and if he comes in and plays like he's a veteran, well, then I see I, yeah, him I'm, being a very strong contender. I'm 80 20 on Bentley. I'm, I'm leaving the door open for it to go the other way with Rising. And Yak and I were talking about this during the break is that. Um, Bentley is who he is, and they prefer mobile quarterbacks. So if Rising comes in in practice and hits every mark, then he's got two things going for him Bentley won't have. One, he's younger, there's more eligibility, there's an arc for him to improve, and Bentley can't have that because he's older. Although, even that's kind of been... Uh, mitigated here by the fact that this is a free year for everybody, so Bentley still has next year, right? So, and then the other thing is, uh, Rising is going to be a better mobile quarterback, and we know Kyle loves running quarterbacks, right? But we know Bentley's got this level that he can play to. You know, you, you start getting 20, 25, 30 starts deep in the SEC, we have a pretty good idea who you are. There's a lot of film on you. You know, the offense coordinator's got a relationship with him. He can go to the head coach and say, Here's the film. Well, goodness knows they've had time to watch film this year, right? So that is pretty well spelled out. So Bentley is who he is. If Rising can beat that, then he can be the starter. That's a tough bar to hit without games to prove that you can do it in. But maybe he can do it. And he is a mobile quarterback and he's a younger guy with more eligibility. So he's got those two things going for him. But he's got to clear that bar. That's why I say Bentley. You know, what's funny is that you just told us, well, Ellinger been playing good, and, mm-hmm. and so you can see why Rising transferred, and it's not a knock, but yet you never brought up that Bentley's a transfer. Right. He is. He's a grad transfer. So it's the same situation. Yeah, even, even harder because uh, he was caught behind a younger guy after he got injured. He may get caught behind a younger guy here. You know, it could happen. Right. But they're both left their yes, they respective did. They places for reasons. Yes. But it's so common now 
that nobody bats an eyelash. Not only is it common, but at the highest level, we've seen it be successful. And I think the thing both these guys have going for him is you didn't get beat out by a guy who's, you know, so-so, and he was in your class, and he was, or you're, you know, just to your office. He was better than you. You know, they went with a younger guy at South Carolina. He got the chance because Bentley got hurt. Now he's playing pretty well, and they want to go with the arc because he can improve and all that. So it's really through no fault of his own with Bentley. And I don't even know that it's any fault of Rising's either because, again, it's Texas. They get to bring in multiple high-profile guys, and they give it to one of them, and that guy hits the ground running and is throwing the ball. And if you watch the Texas Tech game and the TCU game, Texas's problem is on the defensive side of the ball. They don't cover people, and they certainly don't tackle people. But they score a lot of points. You know, if, if you're 56-all going overtime, the quarterback's probably not the problem. So he may have just got caught in a tough spot where they took multiple good quarterbacks in this one. You know, the funny thing is that the Alamo Bowl, when we went out on the field, I saw him as they were teams were shaking hands at the end of the game, and I thought, Man, a lot of Texas guys are coming over to him. And not just kind of like in passing, hey, I'll be nice to you. It was like they were making a beeline for him. You know, they really wanted to see him. So, hey, maybe behind the scenes he's got leadership skills and is bonding with guys. That could be another thing going for him. Well, I don't think you can argue. He's a rising quarterback. Oh, nice. There you go. First the dog puns and now that. Good work, man. Steve Clark, he's liking this You've show been this on morning. A really big run of puns over the last two weeks. A big run of puns. Yes. What does that look like? <laughs> go back. I'm mean, trying to get a visual. Go on back. That. Go back and listen to our show for the last. Two a weeks. big run of puns, and I, I see a, a chopper shot. It's like the Boston or New York Marathon or something. They're all running across well, a bridge. There's I, I a big run you, of puns. Sure. If you look at it, it's just the nature of sports talk radio. I mean, most sports talk radio shows go on puns. Well, it's almost break time. Anything else, any serious point you want to make about the Pac-12 South and the now that the schedule's out? Seriously, yes. If you want to put an exclamation point on this, a PK mark, something we can remember this by. 4-2, you kind of downgrade it because you were thinking more 5-1 and one yesterday, which I think those are the two best, those are the two best picks. Those are the most likely numbers. I, I do think, though, if anyone's going to go undefeated, this is the best year. Because you just play fewer games, so yeah. you have fewer opportunities to be upset. There's been plenty of teams that have been six and zero. There's been no teams that have been nine and zero since they've expanded by two, and that's interesting uh, on how that plays out. I, I really wanted to pick the Ducks, but one, two, now three defensive backs opting out. It's like boy, and of all the places you can give up points, where one mistake, bang, touchdown. Okay, they got <laughs> one guy came back, and they're getting a Boise State grad transfer in the secondary. So that's two uh, that they – one came back, yeah. grad transfer, so they're getting some help there. But I do think that the the situation, this team has been hurt the most. Now you can argue that this team can withstand being hurt the most. So – and maybe that that's true too. But it would be interesting to see if somebody can go 6-0 and because no one has gone 9-0. and Somebody somewhere along the line – has always tripped up, whether it's it's at the next to last weeks of the season like it was for Oregon last year down in Tempe, or it's the Utes where it was actually the first game. And then they go 8-0. And that Was Oregon 7-0 when they lost that game? 
the uh, the Ducks. They'd yeah. only lost one game. It was the non-conference. It was Auburn. So they were seven and zero in the Pac-12, though. Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. then they lost next to last. Okay, I right, knew it was so, late, but I couldn't remember if it was the seventh or eighth game. It was right. literally the next to so, last, or the penultimate, to use the fancy word. And then the next week was the rivalry game, which they won. So yeah, so they were seven and zero. They were, I think, they were fifth in the uh, playoff because the Utes yeah. were sixth. So and, yeah, and they got beat. So Washington, Cal, Stanford. Who is the best challenger at Oakland? Who or Oakland, Oregon? Who's most likely to take them down? Washington to me is a real intriguing team because a lot of these teams with the new coaches and whatnot, you've got to allow them some time to develop a little bit here. Well. This is a smooth transition that the Washington Huskies are making. Lake was viewed to a degree as the heir apparent, and I had gotten word that Peterson wasn't long for the job. I think it was Brock Heward I was who played in Washington. I think he lives in Colorado now, but he has all sorts of Washington connections. His brother Damon is the color guy on the radio, and he had floated the idea of, well, Chris Peterson may not be there for a long term relative to his age. He may want to get out. And so it was, it was sort of understood that Lake was the guy if everything went accordingly. So I'm wondering, Washington is a little bit of a mystery team to me. As I look in the north, the two mystery teams to me are Stanford and Washington. Uh, because obviously Stanford was way down, the worst season they've had under David Shaw. Now how are they going to respond? Now they're losing a huge piece of the puzzle in the offensive line, and Walker Little is a big-time player. He's not Sewell big, but he's expected to go fairly high in the draft. How is that going to be? And, and you know, you look at uh, who's the new guy? Uh, 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 Davis Mills is the quarterback is going to take over. Yeah. Well, gosh, I mean, if Costello couldn't beat him out and Costello throws for 4,000 yards in one game, how good must Mills be? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, and how are they going to be there? My guess is they rebound. Now, to rebound to what extent? Not sure, but I would think that they're over 500. And my thought for Stanford is if they put it together on that particular Saturday, they can beat you. So you look at it, you take a step back, and we've got our two favorites, but I don't know that they're prohibitive favorites this time around, which means that they can get beat. They still may win their respective divisions in SC and Oregon, but asking them to go six and zip might be a little too much. Well, deep down, the commissioner would like to ask them both to go 6-0, so when they play in the Pac-12 title game, the winner has a marquee oh, victory under their belt. Like peacock. Yeah. yeah, and with the, with the Big 12 piling up losses left and right, you know, they could have a two-loss champ, and maybe there's a path in into the playoff. All well, right, that's DJ, the goal, yeah. yeah. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. 
I'm not really worried about that. Just trying to, like I said before, just trying to focus on uh, getting done this week and, and, and getting things accomplished, you know, and, and proving as a team. I've asked the players not to worry about that, not to look at the, uh, the, the, all the media attention that we get. We, we don't worry about it before the season. Why worry about it during? And so trying to keep our team focused. We have a, a good mature group, a veteran group. So we're looking forward to these guys leading the way. And, and I'm excited to see how we, you know, go into the game four and then, and, and um, how we improve as a team. So that's the focus. Not really focused on anything else but that. Just trying to stay humble as a team and then stay hungry and on things that we need to accomplish. We have a lot to prove still. There's Kalani Satagi making sure his guys don't get out over their skis. Yeah, you're 3-0 and and you're annihilating people. Average score 49-8. But there's a lot of football to be played. And certainly a year ago, they had some quality wins followed by some horrible losses, followed by a quality win, followed by another horrible loss. So they've ridden the roller coaster before. And clearly Kalani's trying to tamp all that excitement down, focus on the next game, the next drive, the next play, and uh, everything will turn out right. Don't... Don't get don't get your head up in the clouds. Get and just blow this. Yeah, adding to the weirdness that is 2020 in so many different ways. The Cougars went from ah, man, what a just a ah, type of program to now all of a sudden being just gorged with mm-hmm. all sorts of lavish praise. That, how crazy is that? That it just goes in a matter of months to where you were, by your own acknowledgement, a disappointment, to now having to worry about don't get a big head, don't get caught up in this. That just indicates how crazy this is. This wouldn't have obviously been the case if they would have had the original schedule because they would have still been the little guy trying to knock off the big dog. Now it's just completely flipped. These guys went from being a bunch of nobodies to being this team that so many folks are talking about, and a lot of it is the scheduling. Now, from the coaching perspective, going forward here, at least until we get to Boise, we'll have to see about Houston. I don't know what to make of them because they haven't been out on the football field. But everybody else, they're the overwhelming favorite. So in my mind, the only way BYU loses is if they screw it up. The other teams aren't good enough to beat you. So you can play a good ball game and lose. Those things happen. And sometimes you know you just have to just acknowledge you lose a close ball game, it happens. There's going to be a winner and loser in every game. But not this year if BYU loses against this schedule. It'll be because they blew it. And in order to prevent that, you've got to have that mental toughness to make sure that that doesn't happen. So that's why you got Kalani saying what he's saying, rightly so. I would only tweak one thing. I think he should have dropped the old Nick Saban rat poison. More national pub, you know, ESPN would pick up on it. It'd end up on college football shows, sports centers, whatever. It'd be all over the place. Well, Yuck, isn't the offensive line coach, isn't he doing that? He's doing poison, but he hasn't gotten rat poison. He actually, no, (laughs) rat poison, I got the quote on my podcast last year. The original quote was, don't drink the rat poison. Right. That's a Nick Saban thing, right? Yeah, but Saban made a big thing out of it. Yeah. I think the Cougars should take it. Mateos has brought it over. Tell, okay, Mateo, Saban's got it right. He's got to do it into the Zoom on camera. It's going to happen. Isn't that obvious, though? I think it needs to be a go-to uh, with people, but especially with college. I mean, I think it, it can, it's still important for the pros to hear it because it can happen to them. 
but I think the younger you are, the less experience and maturity you have, uh, less experience and maturity you have, the easier it is for it to jump up and. Yeah, but that's you. not BYU because what if you're They're BYU? Twenty-four year olds, they've been that's on missions. Exactly what it's you want to fair. hear. It's not fair. They're red shirts. They're twenty-five. <laughs> Next year they got to be twenty-six. You want to hear that, and I appreciate you running out of breath. I Thank you. That was for that. you. That was for you. <laughs> You want to hear that because that's only said when you're good. Nobody ever makes an <laughs> issue of that does. when you're losing to Toledo. No, no. When they had that four-win season, they lost to UMass. It's remarkable that UMass won that game because BYU has a lot of return missionaries who yeah. sure didn't are 25. No, it was just how the heck did they lose to those guys? And I know that BYU fans, that gets under your skin, but that is a sign of respect. So you want to hear the opposing coaches, the broadcasters, and the media just harp on these old-timers playing football against these guys who haven't gone through puberty. That's what exactly you want because that means you're good. Nobody gives a flying, you know what, if you suck, you're just a bunch of old dudes who are fat with four kids <laughs> and you've been married eight years. I don't know how the timeline doesn't work out, but they, they, they think somehow having kids is a bonus to college football. Not that it actually gets in the way of all the stuff that you need to be doing and have the full-time buy-in, 100% investment, blah, 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 which the coach demands that you do, and he does it until he gets a better job the day after the, the regular season ends before the bowl game practices start. And that's when, you know, okay, now you're all right. We don't need to buy in because I'm taking off for a huge raise to go to wherever I'm going, but you got to have that buy-in. So that all that stuff, being married and whatnot, actually gets in the way. That's not a bonus, but you want to hear that storyline because that means you're good. So we talked a lot of college football this morning. We had Dylan Colley on. We had Frank Dolce on. Frank obviously talking Utes. Uh, he wasn't sure how the quarterback battle was going to go. We just got a, a tweet here from Bart who uh, – or no, not from Bart. He had a different take here. Uh, oh, RJ. RJ said, uh, I'm not making a prediction. He says, I have no idea how good the youths are going to be until we see the quarterback. He wants to at least know who the quarterback is. Well, there's a couple of things there. Is that these guys, for whatever, if you want to buy into it or not, you don't have to. They had all the stars behind their names. Rising had all the stars. Whatever stars you needed to have, he had it. He had four of them. Bentley's got the playing the track record, and I really think with Ludwig calling the shots, he puts him in a position to succeed because I could just remember being down by the south end zone. I was talking to Andy in a one-on-one situation, and he told me, well, I'm going to take the decision out of Huntley's hands, and you're not going to see him run the ball that much because he's going to have the decision made for him by the play that I call. And he said that months before the season. And we saw Huntley do that, and we saw him give the ball to Moss. And the only game they lose in the conference is when Moss went out interestingly enough, right? Injuries happen, but that's the way it was. So my point here is that I expect Ludwig is a veteran play caller. A, and it, I mean, he's when I say that, underscore the word veteran because he is up there now. He's been doing it for many, many years. So the point is, I believe he'll put whichever quarterback, whoever it might be, in the position to succeed. And whatever skill he has that's unique to him, Ludwig will get it out of him. Look what he look what he's done with Keithy. 
He's taken a guy nobody knew anything about, and now you look at all the preseason predictions and first team, all conference, and all that stuff, and he's right there because he had a. Now, a lot of the credit goes to the individual. You just can't put it all on the coach. The end of the player has to do it. But look what Andy did to get the ball to Keithy last year. It was absolutely brilliant. So I have a lot of confidence in Andy being able to utilize whatever skill that quarterback has and put him in the position to succeed. Does that mean 6-0? and No, but it should be representative. So we talked a little Ute football. We talked a little Cougar football. We got uh, NBA Finals game four tonight. I'm expecting a bounce-back game from the Lakers. I don't think Butler can go off for a 40-point triple-double. I mean, that is just awesome. You know, I'm, I'm curious. I think LeBron's at a spot where if the other guys have it going, he just lets them do it. Um, but if there's a struggle, I think he will bring it tonight. I think he would be really motivated to make sure this doesn't get to 2-2. He's talked about blowing a 2-0 lead early in his career when he's in Miami and they lost to the Mavericks. So I would think that he – I wonder if he'll come out and try to take it over right from the start and make sure they, they get rolling early so they have some confidence and they're not trying to play from behind and guys don't get tense. Or if he sees that the other guys have it going, AD needs a bounce-back game too. He didn't shoot it very well in the last game. And so uh, I think to try to get him some easy shots. I, I assume the Lakers are going to win this with a big game from LeBron and go up 3-1. to one. How's that for going out on an PK? I think it's the standard line of thinking because they have the better team, yeah. particularly with a couple of players for the Heat out. And we'll have to see what their a maybe. is He's questionable. and what their effectiveness is, mm-hmm. even if they're available. Uh, and we always felt like it was going to be an uphill battle for Miami. But, you know, Butler, we're talking about guys who have dog in them. I think Butler has dog in him. Yeah. I really believe that, and I believe that he there's there's guys out there that are good, but in these situations you got to play better than good. You got to play a little bit better than you are over the course of eighty two, and we saw that Butler did it in game three. He did it to an, on just an incredible level. Can he do it again? Probably not. Does he need to do it again? That's the issue. Does he need to play at that level for them to win? That's where it can potentially get a little fuzzy because I don't think he needs to be that good to have them win. He needs to be very good, but does he need to be that good? If he needs to be that good, then this series is over because that's going to be hard to repeat. It was the best, one of the best games ever in finals history. Of course, the best game ever was Magic in Game 6 in Philadelphia. This was remarkably similar statistically. It was, yeah. It, it was an awesome game from him. And well, you know, one you, has been in the league for many years. One was a rookie at the time. Absolutely, yes. Uh, Magic would have been 20 and Butler's 31. So Big there's difference a difference there. there. But I, I do think the one thing you have to say for Butler is to look at his career arc. Yes, he's bounced from a lot of teams, sometimes traded, sometimes a free agent. Uh, but now in four years, he's been on four different teams and every team has had its best year. They did better than they did the year before, and they didn't do as well the year after when he was gone. He's having, and I, you know, I was curious about this because I read some stuff about it, and we, I asked Steve Cleveland about it yesterday when we had him on, and yeah, there could be some interpersonal stuff that's just really hard to manage. You know, he's, you know, he's strong-willed, he says what he says, he does what he does, he doesn't care what you think, regardless of whether your title is whatever it is. Talking about me or Jimmy Butler? Uh, same thing. And, um, <laughs> and yet, there's just a level of production there. How do you not want him as a teammate? He makes shots, he passes the ball. He is not, you know, the, uh, 
the the black hole, right? The ball goes into him and it never comes no, back. No, no. no, it doesn't. He hits the open guy, plays the game the right way. He'll go in and rebound. Which I think all great players are like that, though. Yes, I think you have to be because otherwise, eventually you're going to get doubled. And you've got to know how to beat it to get well, some yeah. of that pressure and off you. turn here. off your guys. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, guys don't play as hard. Guys, everybody plays harder when they hit a bucket, right? So you got to keep them involved, get them an easy bucket at some well, point. Well, that's, that's what a leader does. That's right. why Magic was the best leader in NBA history. And then at some point, also, if you're going to keep scoring, you need to get rid of that double team. And you do that by making sure the other team knows, if you double me, everybody will hurt you. Steve Curl right. hit that jumper. You right? make plays to win games, yep. whatever, that, whatever that play yeah. dictates. And, you know, Chicago, yeah, Chicago to Minnesota to Philly, they're all in worse shape now that, well, two of them aren't even in the playoffs uh, and have had coaching changes now that he's gone. Major League Baseball, uh, the long ball, the Yankees, I think is it 11 home runs now in the playoffs? Yeah, that's what you talked about yesterday. Can they bash their way to the title? <laughs> they bashed their way in game one. 9-3 to three over Tampa Bay with a grand slam to break the game open. The two yeah. teams traded homers early in the game. You know, uh, we were talking yesterday about the pitching matchup, and you're saying, hey, the Rays have the better staff, but in game one, Cole's going to be out there. So this is yeah. a pretty even matchup, right? These guys are both very good. Um, but both of them got taken deep multiple times early in the game. It's 4-3 in the fifth inning. That doesn't scream. We got dominance starting pitching. No, that surprised me a little bit. But Garrett Cole had a quality start. He uh, Ultimately, he did. And it, what was awesome about Cole, I wanted to bring this up earlier, is a situation, I think it was the fifth or sixth inning, and they had some guys on bases may even have been loaded, and he needed to bear down. And he threw a pitch, he threw two pitches, 99 and 100. It's the only time he's hit 100 this season, and he got the K for the third out. So that's big time. Clutch situation. I'm going to get you. He jacks it up by four miles an hour over his average fastball, which is a lot. And I think that his ability to to shut him out in the fifth and sixth inning, that was the difference between a bad start and a quality start. It was three runs in four innings. That's not good. But three runs in six you can live with. You know, three and six, okay, that's quality Especially start. on that team. Yep, we got a chance to win it, and sure enough, they had a chance. He and, did what he needed to do. Yeah, and, and they just have so many guys. You know, it's just Judge has a chance to bring the game over, and he doesn't. They put the camera on him in the dugout. He's talking to himself. He's furious. I love that. I love that. He was into it. If it had been you or me, we would have been talking to ourselves in the dugout. I had a chance to be the hero. I had a chance to break the game open. Dang it. And then while he's in there uh, lighting himself up, meanwhile, Stanton's at the plate. Well, they just bring up a smaller guy in Stanton. <laughs> right. He's only 6'6". He's not 6'7 and a half. <laughs> Don't let him extend the arms, the scout said. Uh-oh. To dead center field in a pitcher's ballpark for a grand slam. Okay. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. That's some of the stuff we have been talking about today. Your feedback coming up next. Stay with us. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. Let's go. The Big Show. It's a big deal. With Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. The fact that BYU had to wad up their most difficult schedule they've ever had and just throw it into the garbage can and scramble is just nuts. So I'm going to enjoy watching this team play well, and I'm confident in saying that I think this is a really good team. I understand the circumstance, but I just don't know if I can fully jump onto that. They have been impressive. I just don't know because they're playing Bo Diddley Tech. I'm not claiming BYU should be in the playoff. I'm just claiming we should acknowledge that was a dominant 
performance. We can say good game, Tyler Algiers. We can say Kairos Tonga dominated without the yeah, but. That's all I'm saying. The Big Show, weekdays from 2 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it is time for your feedback. What are you thinking about all the stuff we're talking about? A lot of Ute fans jumping in here, PK. Uh, Jacob says, and Jacob's got a, a Ute beanie on in his uh, photo, so he's, he's uh, wearing the gear. He's ready to go. He says, 5-1 and one with a loss to USC or ASU. The O will be good. The D is young. This will be a good free season to get him experience and playing time to dive into 2021. That's something that I really agree with about that. That's what I was saying earlier. I didn't express that part of it, but I think this is a – under the circumstances, nobody wants it, obviously. But I think for Utah, this really sets them up for 2021 uh, because they can get those folks that uh, need that experience and get out there. And so then they come into next year in a much better situation. And this isn't exactly a free year, but I'm just not going to – play it up as a regular year because it's not as we discussed earlier there's been plenty of teams that have been six and zero since they've gone to the 12 but nobody has been nine and zero, and so it's much more likely that you go six and zero than nine and zero because literally no one's done it so this is a great year a great partial season to get yourself some experience so you come back next year and you'd be in a position to be a strong, strong contender. And for the Utes, it's not a strong contender to win the South. That's not what it's about. It's a strong contender to win the conference, and it's a strong contender to go to the Rose Bowl and maybe even higher. That's what they're contending for. That's where their program is at. Bart says, my bold prediction is 7-0 and in a college football playoff. Go Utes! Well, I think 7-0 and will get whichever team is able to accomplish that. If there's any in that situation, I don't think it'll be the Utes this year. But, you know, have a very good season in which you get plenty of guys' experience. And you don't want to use it as a – it's not a laboratory either. These are not scrimmages. These are actual games. So you don't just run guys out there for the sake of getting them experience for next year. I'm not saying that. But they do get experience, and so they come back and be in a position next year – when hopefully in August training camp starts and everything is back to normal and you make a strong run for it next year. And if you have a 5-2 and two season this year, that sets you up in a position to be a contender next year, a real strong contender, meaning you're going into the last week of the season either in first place or with an opportunity to get in first place. That's a great benchmark for an outstanding program, which means you would have done it three out of four, if not this year, four out of four. Ray says Utah's going undefeated since they don't play BYU. And then a little winking emoji. Well played, Ray. Well played. When are they scheduled to play BYU next year and then it takes a couple years off? Is that where we're at or does it take a, year, a couple years off after 22? I'd have to look that up. I believe it's after 22 if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Well... It's a crazy year, and some bowl games, we already know that two of them aren't happening, right? Hawaiian Bahamas are off, and uh, they should just mix it up and, and set up games. There, there are so many games that could have happened this year that didn't happen. I hope they make some of them happen, and Utah BYU could go on that list. You mean in terms of playing each other? Yeah, in terms of, of that. Yeah, but I think they set up bowl games between teams that were supposed to meet in, in high-profile non-conference oh, games, and they didn't That'd happen. That'd be fun. Yeah, it's yeah. just it's an extra angle, something to give us get us dialed in, and you know why not? 
let's I agree see. with you. Yeah, I, I think that'd be now whether they'll pull it off. That's where for all the all the um, all the negativity ESPN takes, TV has too much control, you know, and that kind of stuff. Uh, this would be perfect. I think the Bulls should have loose connections and loose tie-ins yep. rather than we have to match our fourth-place team against your whatever. And I, this is something that you've actually been harping on probably longer than anybody I know, and that is set up matchups that are attractive rather than slots in the standings mm-hmm. that dictate. And as we go forward, I, I, I agree more today than I did last year and two years ago and whatnot. And stands to reason next year I'll agree more because of the po- college football playoff has become so dominant. Yep. And then there's a couple other bowls after that that it is all about the matchups that you get excited about. And I and I refer to the very final Point City Bowl. People got excited when that cowboy and the horse ran out <laughs> on the field for Wyoming because it's an old time rival. And I just think that the Utah you could hear it in Brent Musburger's voice that Utah. BYU game, that was a win for college football. It was a great-looking crowd in an era when so many bowl games are in half-full stadiums or even less than that. And yeah. it had some sizzle and it had some... It wasn't that the Utah-Indiana game wasn't competitive and close, because it was competitive and it was close, but it didn't have the sizzle. You know? And, and you can't do it every year, right? But Miami and Florida aren't playing all the time. Missouri and Kansas never play anymore. Texas and Texas A&M never play anymore. There's some games out there to be had. And we all know if that game would have lasted a little yeah, five minutes more. Uh, I just looked it up. Utah and BYU play next year and then take 22 and 23 off. Okay, so, so PK was right. 22 and 23 are the years they don't play. Is that the Florida series that nixes it, right? Yeah, so we only got one more so. before we got two off. That sort of stinks. Yeah. And that's why a bowl game between the two would be all the better. You know, they'll be. It won't make sense every year, but maybe one time it does. And uh, there are probably some other games out there that would make sense. The, the BYU against the former Mountain West Conference teams made some sense. Those were better than your average bowl games. Hey, I got a poll question up now by a request slash demand. Uh, twenty twenty Pac twelve champs says put up a poll three three four 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 two five one six zero. I'll say five and one, but I wouldn't be surprised by four and two. So the poll question is up. You can go vote. Go to David. DJ James will update you on it tomorrow. Right now, scouting hands are getting ready to go. They're next. Stay with us.